Hi everybody, welcome back to Desert Sirens. I'm Chelsea. And I'm Janelle. And welcome yeah. to another week. Another week. Let's do it. Let's do it. Alright, this is Janelle. I'm back for another story. Um, I will start off by saying that I have handwritten notes this week on a smaller notebook, so you may be hearing my paper a whole lot more <laughs> than usual. <laughs> Handwritten notes, lots of paper, we're going to have a blast. Yes, here we go. <laughs> so kind of to tag along, so last week we talked about the Pueblo Revolt of 1680. Yes. And I decided this week to kind of continue the Native American theme. Okay. Uh, but this week we're going to talk about Native American ghost stories. <laughs> um, never mind. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll talk about it so I will Okay. We'll <laughs> mention it. <laughs> But, so I pulled a few ghost stories out of a book called American Indian Ghost Stories of the West by Antonio R. Garces. Uh, It was written, it was published in 2010. Oh, okay. Uh, So it was the first book written about American Indian ghost stories or ghost encounters by, written by an American Indian. And the whole book is a whole ton of first-hand accounts of people interviewed by the author. Okay. It's really the first book, and only in 2010? I guess. That's crazy. He was oh. advertising a lot on the book, so <laughs> hopefully well, it's true. Right. <laughs> I'm the first. But, yeah, so I decided to pull a few stories that kind of stood out to me that took place in New Mexico. He does include stories from Arizona and California... And there was another state, but for some reason I didn't write it down. But, so, Utah. like, kind of the southwest area. Nevada. Probably Nevada. I don't okay. know. Somewhere around here. Somewhere! <laughs> but, yeah, so it includes a lot of locations, but I focused on New Mexico, and, uh, like I said, I picked a few of my favorite, but there was plenty of other stories. So if you want to check that book out, check it out. Okay. Um... So the first story I'm going to share was from a woman named Roberta Whirlwind. Uh, she grew up and lives at Acoma Pueblo. And I say Acoma because that's what a lot of people say, but apparently Uh-oh. it's technically pronounced Akume or oh. Akumi, mm. either way. And it means people of the white rock. It's also, well... It's also known as Sky City, but apparently the Acoma Reservation consists of Sky City, which is the Pueblo on the cliff. Yes, that I had a lot of questions about last yes. night about how they got up and down. And I actually have some answers. <laughs> I was gonna. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it has that, and then there's a couple neighboring villages, like three neighboring villages that also fall within the Acoma Reservation. So that was something okay. that I learned while reading oh, okay. this. <laughs> But, so, the Pueblo is on a sandstone mesa that is, and it is 367 feet above the surrounding desert. It is one of the oldest continuously inhabited Native American villages in the U.S. Uh, As of 2010, he said over 30 families occupy year-round, but when I read a website that's more up-to-date, it says they actually only have 50 tribal members that live in Sky City year-round. Oh, so is it like a lot of land? Well, the Sky City itself, like the Pueblo itself, from what I've seen, it's not like gigantic, but it's, you know, I'm literally picturing like Avatar type mountains. (laughs) I'm so surprised that you don't know what I'm talking about. Like it's such a big thing here. (laughs) I don't know anything about my culture. They even have a casino. 
that oh, helps fund that. You know what? Maybe, maybe so. Sorry. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. While I look it up. So, talking about your question that you had last week yes. about getting up and down to the Pueblo pre-modern days. Because nowadays, I believe there's actually a road that they built to go up there. Oh, okay. But before that, uh, they actually had a hand-cut staircase that was carved into the cliffs. Dang, you're going to, like, get your cardio going up there then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, okay. I see what you're talking about. Finally see I was literally <laughs> picturing... <laughs> the floating mountains from Avatar. Oh my okay. gosh. <laughs> it's not like that, you guys. <laughs> but it's still cool. Um, but anyway, so that's where Roberta is coming from. Okay. And so for her ghost story. So during the summer when she was 19 years old, she was watching TV at home with her mom and her baby brother in the bedroom. And all of a sudden the dog started barking, mm-hmm. you know, and she heard a knock at the door. So, turns out it was Roberta's 17-year-old school friend named Sonia, who lived several miles away from her. Mm-hmm. Roberta was confused because Sonia had told her she was going to Albuquerque with her dad, and Roberta asked her, she's like, well, wait, aren't you supposed to be in Albuquerque? Like, what's going on? How far is this place from Albuquerque? Um, I think it's at about an hour, hour, okay. hour and a half. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so she was, but then Sonia was like, oh, yeah, our, our plans changed. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, okay. Um, but she also noticed as she was looking at her friend that she had dirt, like, all over the left side of her body and all in her hair. Like she had fallen. Yeah. Yeah, like she had fallen. So she was like, what? what's going on? Like, why are you covered in dirt? Like A, why are you covered in dirt? B, why are you here? Yeah. <laughs> And basically, she was just, like, she started kind of brushing at it, and she was like, oh, yeah, sorry about that. And then, but before she even explained anything, she turned to Roberta's mom and started chatting with her. And... No, girl, answer the question. Exactly. (laughs) And so, she started complimenting her mom's dress, and she even started kind of, like, I guess, talking, just talking about how, like, you know, oh, you have such a lovely dressing. Oh, man, like, it's so nice that Roberta has you. Like, I really miss my mom and everything. Because I guess her mom had passed away when she was two years old. Oh, okay. And, again, Roberta was kind of weirded out. Because she well, was yeah, like... like, what yeah. have you been doing here? And then talking to my mom. <laughs> exactly. But she oh. was saying... And Roberta was saying what really threw her off was that Sonia was not the chatty type. She didn't talk a whole time. Oh, and not like small talk like that, and yeah, especially like to your friends' parents, because that's like, especially if you don't, you're not very chatty, like to your friends' parents, like usually yeah. you're just like, okay, we're going to our room, bye. Yeah, and it's like, and she, and on top of that, she was very sensitive about the topic of her mother mm. who had passed. Like, Roberta's like she wouldn't even mention it to Sonia anymore because Sonia would get so upset whenever she would bring it up. Oh. So, all of a sudden, she's casually like, oh, yeah, I miss my mom. I wish she was here and all this stuff. And she's like, what in the heck is happening here? And so then she turned around. She's like, well, it looks like you've been walking a long way. It's in the middle of summer. 
And it was around like three o'clock in the afternoon. So she's like, you've been walking during the heat of the day. Do you want something to drink like soda or water or anything? And she's like, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm not thirsty. I'm not thirsty. And so Roberta, by that time, she was just too weird to get out with this whole situation. So mm-hmm. like Sonia had started talking to her mom again and just chit chatting. And so Roberta was like, you know, forget it. I'm going back to watching TV. You guys do whatever you want. <laughs> oh, my and I just show up to your house when you're with your mom. I'm like, hey. So, uh, lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I guess that Sonia and her mom ended up just chatting in the kitchen for, like, an hour. Oh, wow. And then, but all of a sudden, Sonia just kind of stopped, and she was like, oh, no, it's time for me to leave. I gotta go. And so she was like, well, wait, like, our neighbor's son should be coming home in about an hour from work. If you wait, he can give you a ride home, because you live far. Oh, she did? I like, was yeah, it that. was like, she's like several miles away. So, oh, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. Walking that, that probably yeah. wasn't fun. And, but Sonia was like, no, no, like, I have a lot more visits to do before I go home, so I'm just gonna I know where this go. is going. <laughs> <laughs> I can sense it. So, Roberta said she looked at her mom like, come on, like, tell her no (laughs) but her mom just kind of like i guess like secretly kind of did some motion with her head that told roberta no just let her go and she was like okay so she said she watched Sonia. like sonia turned to them like right as she was about to walk out the door and she just smiled and quote she said it makes me happy to see you both again i think of you all the time and then they just said goodbye. She walked out and Roberta watched her walk away until she was out of sight. Mm-hmm. And then she turned to her mom and her mom said like, no, I, I noticed that she was acting weird, but she was like, you don't think she's on drugs. Do you like, she didn't get into anything weird. Right. And Roberta was like, I don't think so. She's not the type that I would think to get into that. Mm-hmm. But you know, that was that. Well, a couple days later she was going to the store And one of her friends stopped her and was like, hey, did you hear about Sonia and her dad? And she was like, what are you talking about? And she was like, yeah, when they went to Albuquerque, they got into a car accident. And knew that's what you were going to say. Sonia passed away. Oh, my gosh. What? And, of course, Roberta's like, no, I saw her. Like, yeah, for a whole ass hour. She was talking to my mom. Dude, like, two days ago. Like, no. And he was like. And I guess he kind of, like, looked at her like, what are you talking about? But she kind of realized something wonky was going on. So she was like, oh, maybe I have the days wrong, you know? Yeah. And she went home. Well, then she asked somebody else about it. Like, hey, what's what happened? Like, what's going on? So apparently she had passed away at 10 a.m. that morning. Mm. And she showed up at 3 p.m. at her house. So. What? (laughs) (laughs) But wait. um, Hold on. What? (laughs) Hold on, I had a question, but it's escaped me. Um, you said the little brother was there, right? He was a baby. Oh, yeah. I was like, did it? so both of them saw like a full body apparition that sat there for an hour. But wouldn't that be weird if your friend passed away and then she came in to talk to your mom? I'd be like, well, what about me? <laughs> I mean, she said that she felt like she at least still got to see her, you yeah. know, and she probably. The thing is, you know, you could also say that Roberta could have sat at the table and talked with her, too, but she was just so weirded out by everything going on yeah. that she was like, no, I'm going to go chill over here. You that know? would be so crazy. 
crazy. I feel like if somebody told me that, like, at the store, like, oh, yeah, she died, I would literally pass out. Yeah. Like, what? (laughs) Oh, that's crazy. And she was covered in dirt probably because she crashed and it's Albuquerque and it's full of dirt. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. That's crazy. Yep. So that was that. And she did talk a lot about how she really dearly still misses her friend. Yeah. But she was glad that she got to see her one last time before... That would be so... I'm, I just can't get over, like... <laughs> like, if... God forbid. You died. And then you came when I was, like, at my mom's house and you have something and you came and talked to her for an hour. And I'd be like, Janelle, in the afterlife, that's who you wanted to talk to. <laughs> I'd be like, what is happening? Yeah. It's crazy. Okay. I don't know. But so, next story. That's a good one. So, the next story comes from Dolores Thundercloud. And Love she, the last names. right? <laughs> she grew up in San Juan Pueblo. Um, it's also known as OK, like OK, O-K-E-H. Mm-hmm. Um, it okay. has been inhabited since 1380. Okay, it is a well-known center of art, and it is also Pope's hometown. So, oh. calling back to my previous episode. Oh, yes. But anyways, Dolores, when she was 14 years old, um, she was at her grandparents' home in San Juan. Uh, Her parents had passed away five years before in a car accident returning from Albuquerque. (gasps) Don't drive to Albuquerque. (laughs) Apparently. It's like, not good. Don't do it. Um, Yeah, apparently the mother had lost control of the truck on the way back. Oh, gosh. And they crashed and passed away. Jesus. I don't feel like the roads to Albuquerque are that crazy. Well, maybe back then. I don't know. Yeah, because these are, you know, older people telling yeah. stories when they were young. So I yeah. don't know if the roads were different. Maybe. I don't maybe. know if they're trying to drive at night. Because at yeah. night it can get crazy. Because those highways are dark. Yeah. I mean, try driving in California. Yeah. <laughs> you know. You know. <laughs> but, um. Anyway, so after their parents had passed away, uh. Dolores and her brother Vincent, her younger brother, mm-hmm. uh, they chose to stay with their grandparents in San Juan over moving in with her mother's side of the family in Arizona. And she said they had a very pleasant childhood there, um, although the grandparents were both disabled. Mm-hmm. Like, I believe her grandmother had severe arthritis, and then her grandfather had lost a leg due to diabetes complications. Oh, okay. So they just couldn't get off the Pueblo very much because, you know, it was difficult for them to get around and everything. But she said that they still made the best of everything. They enjoyed all the ceremonies. She still had friends. They had a great childhood. And they also had a little dog named Pretzel. Aww. That's a cute name for a dog. What kind of dog? She didn't say. She had a little dog. Oh, okay. I'm guessing. A chihuahua. Probably. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, so one Sunday morning, again, when she was 14, everyone else had gone to church. For some reason, Dolores had stayed behind and she was taking a shower with the bathroom door open. And all of a sudden, while she was showering, pretzel mm-hmm. started barking mm-hmm. and she looked through the shower door and saw a figure standing in the doorway. Mm-mm. <laughs> Originally, she thought it was her grandmother, so she kind of apologized. She was like, oh, sorry, I must have forgotten to close the door if you no, want you to. you always close the door, even if you're home alone. Yeah. <laughs> just in case. But so she's saying, I'm sorry, I must have forgotten. Just, if you could close the door, that'd be great. And then the figure just walked away into the hallway. And mm-hmm. Prexel started barking even more. Prexel's like, girl, did you not see what you just saw? <laughs> and so she's like, kind of like, uh... Grandma? 
Like, no? Okay. <laughs> and, of course, nothing answered. Like, no response. Yeah. So, after that, she got out of the shower, she put on a towel, and she searched the house. Even though she was terrified, she was like, I gotta look through the house and see if there's someone here. Mm-hmm. And so she searched the whole entire house... And at, when she got to the living room, she said Pretzel came running to her, like, almost poofed up like a cat. Oh. Like, when they're scared. Yeah. But there was nobody in the house. Um, so she decided she was just, she finished up drying off. It didn't even say if she got dressed. I don't know if she still stayed in the towel or got dressed. Yeah. But she basically went and sat on their porch and just waited for the family to come home. Oh, my gosh. Um, when she got, when they got home, she told her grandparents immediately about what had happened, but she said that they kind of looked at her like they didn't really believe her. Like she might've imagined it. Yeah. And after a while, she said at first she was like, well, maybe I did imagine it. Maybe it was just kind of, you know, those shower doors are kind of foggy. Maybe yeah. I didn't see it. Um, but she never took a shower with the door open ever again. Good job. Um, but <laughs> it doesn't idea. end there. Uh-oh. So a few nights later, she was sleeping on the couch because her grandparents only had, a, I believe she said it was a two bedroom like home. Mm-hmm. And so her brother had the bedroom and she just slept on the couch in the living room. Oh, OK. So she was sleeping on the couch and she woke up to hearing somebody moving dishes and dropping silverware in the kitchen. And she said, but it was weird because it, it wasn't like crashing and everything. It sounded almost like somebody trying to do stuff, but not wake anybody up. Mm. So that was me when I was a kid. I'd be like, my mom hears <laughs> me in the kitchen. But, you know, so she just kind of said she just stayed still. She listened to it. But then like, she was like, okay, whatever. Like maybe it's nothing. And so she went back to sleep. Mm-hmm. But then she woke up when she heard um, footsteps coming from the kitchen into the living room. And those footsteps came, the footsteps, which, and then they sounded like, um, like there was dirt on the shoes or something. Like almost when there's like, when you step on dirt on a hardwood floor. Oh, okay. Like kind of crunches a little. Yeah. So it was sounding like that. And she heard these footsteps coming over to the couch where she was sleeping. And she said the whole, this whole entire interaction, she kept her eyes closed because she was so scared. Oh, I was like, I would have sat up and been like, who's there? (laughs) (laughs) No, she was too scared. (laughs) But, um, basically then she felt someone sit beside her Mm. on the couch and started stroking her hair. Oh, hell no. And then when she felt some of her hair lift off the pillow, that's when she screamed and... Her grandma came it's like in. like a pervert ghost or something? Just keep Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then, um, what should I call it? So her grandma, of course, came in as quick as she could and was like, what's happening? What's going on? And she, Dolores told her grandma what had happened. And so she was like, okay, no, no, no. Like, you'll be okay. So she gave her a crucifix to sleep with. And then she lit a candle on the TV. I'm guessing this was, this was back when TVs had oh, more. Oh, like, that's dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> when TVs were bigger and fatter. Yeah, they were like boxes, yeah. Yeah. And she said that after this, she started getting night visits like this at least twice a week. Mm, I think I know where you're going with this. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she said she was always scared, but she somehow, like, she also was used to them. I would never get used to that. I would not. (laughs) Yeah. But so she was always scared, but yeah. Yeah. 
But, of course, one night ended up going a little different. Uh-oh. So, when the ghost was already sitting next to her and playing with her hair, she decided to roll over to her left side and just face the wall. And, like, okay, I'll just deal with this, but I'm going to not look anywhere else. Like, have her back to the room? Yeah. That's scarier. Right? <laughs> But that's what she did. Okay. Um, and then as, after she rolled, she felt this warm breath on her ear. Uh-uh. Right? I was like, ah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm sorry. Watching you in the shower, playing with your hair, yeah. breathing in your neck. <laughs> but so she felt this warm breathing on her ear. But then all of a sudden she heard the familiar voice of her mother. I knew say, that's where you were going. That's why I felt weird. But <laughs> I love you, Dolores. So, of course, when she hears her mom's voice, Mm -hmm. her eyes spring open. She turns to see her mom like she wants to see her. But by that time, she saw a white shadowy image of a woman who she knew was her mother Mm -hmm. and it disappeared. And she said she just sat there crying and screaming for her mom to come back. Oh, my gosh. And so since she. Oh, sorry. Go of course, again, the grandma came into the room to see yeah. what would happen, and Dolores told her about it, and they just kind of sat and cried for a while, both of them. And then, but the grandma just kind of reassured her the best she could. She was like, you know what? You have all these opportunities to kind of reconnect with your mom, yeah. and, you know, in a way, it's like a blessing, even yeah. though it was kind of scary. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, But... After that, um, she was never visiting again. I I was going to ask, like, since she saw her, that was it. Yeah, but she said that she was still comforted knowing that her mother still loves and watches over her. Yeah. And yeah. I feel so bad. You know, if you don't know, I was kind of wondering the same thing when I was reading it. When I was reading it, I was like, I don't know. Just how it was. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I don't I don't know how I would feel if, if that happened to me. I haven't lost a parent yet, like, thank God, obviously, but, like, first of all, when that does happen, I will be so devastated, and then, like, imagine you're just trying to go through the motions of having lost that parent, and then, like, they visit, like, seeing them after that, you know? Mm-hmm. Ooh, that would be really heavy. Yeah. I mean, it would be nice, but at the same time, I would kind of wonder, like, why hadn't you crossed over, you know? Yeah, but I mean, she it was a mother who had kids left behind. Yeah. Young kids. Unfinished business. Like saying goodbye to them. Yeah, because her kids were only seven and ten when she passed. Mm. Oh, and this was like four years later? Yeah, four or five years later. That's interesting. I wonder yeah. what, what took so long, you know? I don't know. Interesting. Interesting. But yeah, so that was Dolores' story. And then my third story... Mm-hmm is um, from Alfred J. Montoya. He was born at Taos Pueblo in 1950 and continues to live there. Um, the native name is Tuata, which means in the village. The native name for Taos? Yes. Oh, okay. And it is one of another one of the oldest continuously inhabited communities in the U.S. Mm-hmm. It is 70 miles north of Santa Fe, and it originated somewhere around the 10th century. Okay. So, in the fall of 1974, 
Alfred was employed by the Forest Service. And his job was to clean up areas where hikers or campers, like, would leave trash and stuff. So, basically, his job was to clean up the forest, keep it nice. Yeah. And him and his men used horses to travel around the forest. And this was in the Sangre de Cristo Mountains, which okay. also, in Spanish, it means blood of Christ. Yeah. Because when the sun... I can't remember if it's sun, sun rises or sunsets, but sometimes it makes the mountains look red. Oh, so that's why they like the it sandias that. almost, but yeah. not pink. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because sandia means watermelon, yes, folks. Yes, it sure do. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so on <clears throat> this day in the fall of 1974, uh, his team was told to clean up this area called uh, Blue Lake. And Alfred had some other work that he had to finish up, so his team went ahead in the early morning. And he just, like, he would catch up with them in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And so his supervisor, though, I guess, had given him instructions like, hey, if you catch up and we're already done, we're going to camp in this other little meadow. Uh, and so here's, like, he gave, like, instructions on how to find that meadow. Mm-hmm. And so he got there yeah, in the he, afternoon. He went alone and they left him? Apparently, and he kind of prefaced the story, he did have a lot of preface to the story where he was explaining that throughout his life he has gone exploring in these mountains, he's gone hunting in there, like, he okay. he he's knew like them. familiar with them. He was pretty familiar. Yeah. Okay. Um, so anyway, so after he finished his work, he went to go try to find him and catch up with them, um, and they, but when he got there, they had obviously finished cleaning. And so he had to go meet up with them at their campsite. Yes. Which was like called, it was supposed to be called the place of the onion grass. Delicious. Right. Makes me think of holes. (laughs) (laughs) But as he was trying to find this place, he actually ended up getting lost. Of course. Yeah. (laughs) And he, night was starting to come, but he was like, no, I think I can get it. And he did get to somewhere that was familiar, but when he got there, he realized he was way off course mm. of where he was supposed to be. But he at least knew where to go. So he started heading in that direction. But of course, like I said, night came. They should have like burned a fire for him to follow or something. Like he, I'm sure he could have seen like the smoke or something, you know? Maybe. Like, I don't know if he was still too far for that because mm. he immediately did that. When he set up camp, he set up a fire. Yeah. Well, so that, I would assume it would be, like, kind of cold. Yeah. And fun fact, like, if you... <laughs> random, but if you burn flip-flops, it bur- does, like, a really black smoke. So bring extra flip-flops with you just in case you <laughs> burn oh. the warning fire of, like, help me, I'm over here. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, I, know I, that. I, I learned that from Bear Girls, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so he ended up just deciding, you know what, I'm just going to make camp for the night and in the morning I'll just catch up with the team wherever they're at. You know, like, I think I'm close enough, I can find them, but I'm not going to travel anymore in the middle of the night. (laughs) So he made a fire and he rolled out his sleeping bag and he let his horse graze for a little while while he prayed to the creator and Mother Earth for protection. Then he... I would too. Right. (laughs) And then he tied his horse near camp, and just as he was about to fall asleep, he heard a noise coming from his right. Oh, no. So he sits up, 
and sees a man dressed in old traditional Indian garments emerge from the forest dancing with his back towards Alfred. Oh my gosh, that would be so weird. Yeah, and he said that there was no music playing, but he was dancing and singing <laughs> to his own rhythm. Can, he could hear, like, him, though? He could hear him singing, but he said that um, the words, like, he couldn't even recognize the words, and he mm. couldn't rec- he didn't recognize the song. It wasn't one that he knew oh, okay. from all their ceremonies and everything. Yeah. It was something different. Um, and he said it was weird because he, like, the man danced, like, backwards. And he didn't recognize the dance either as any of their ceremonial deals. And he was moving too fast for him to make out his face. Like, he would keep shaking his head or moving it in ways that if he did turn to kind of face, like, towards him, he still couldn't make out his face. Oh. And... He, of course, was scared, but he was also intrigued. Yeah. And he could easily tell from his dress, from everything, that this was just a man from a different time. He was like, no, I I think I'm seeing something spiritual here. Like, something's going on. Yeah. And then he said, all of a sudden, as the man was dancing, he turned towards the darkness and raised his arms and, like, was motioning almost as if he was calling somebody to come join him. Mm-mm. And then a woman emerged slowly from the forest and began dancing with the man. But she didn't sing. She, like, stayed silent, but she danced with him. But she was dancing forward. She was also in old-style clothes. So she had, he called them leggings. I'm guessing they're not quite the leggings we know. (laughs) (laughs) Should I have no spanks on? Yeah, no, I don't think so. But he said she had leggings, moccasins, and a manta which I guess is a shawl that goes over the shoulder and back. Okay. And her hair was done in the traditional, um, like, native Pueblo style. Like, really old style. Okay. And, but he also couldn't make out her face either. Like, she wouldn't look directly at him. And so he just, like, watched them dance across this clearing he was in. And... He didn't, like, say, hey... No, he stayed quiet. (laughs) And he saw them dance out of sight and they moved towards a nearby stream. And as they, once they got out of sight though, he heard them laughing. Oh gosh. And, but they were gone after that. So he was kind of sitting there reflecting on this obviously spiritual sign to him. And he's just kind of sitting there thinking about this. Like, what the heck did I just see? What does it mean? Like, drugs? (laughs) (laughs) No, they believe in the spirit realm and all that. Yeah, that's why they take, uh, what is it called? Oh, yeah, there's that. I don't know. I forget what it's called. I don't know which cultures take that or how that works. But yes, they are. (laughs) But so he's thinking about this and he's like, man, this was crazy. What does it mean? And all this. Then all of a sudden he sees three likes coming from the north. And he said that the way they moved and everything, it looked like they were flashlights. And he was like, oh, hey, my friends found me. Like, Mm -hmm. my team found me. Awesome. So he was even starting to, like, you know, he was starting to get all excited, trying to make sure his fire was going so they could see where he was. And then um, all of a sudden, these three, and he calls them Indian. That's why I'm saying that, because that was his quotes. Yeah. Um, but he had three Indian men emerge from the forest 
but he did not recognize any of them. Oh, like actual Indian men? Well, oh. <laughs> also, why would he recognize them? He didn't recognize the other people. Well, he thought he it was his friends. He thought it was his friends coming. Oh, and then it was these three men that he didn't recognize. Okay, okay, that's interesting. And so they all had horses with them, and he said they wore "quote unquote" white man's clothes, and by that he meant like denim jeans and that's exactly what I was picturing. Jackets it's the seventies, yeah. <laughs> And he said they were, like, talking to each other, but in, like, low mumbling tones, so he couldn't make out what they were saying. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as they saw Alfred, they just stopped and kind of stayed still. They're all, is that a ghost, too? Right. <laughs> and he somehow knew that they were also mm-hmm. more spirits, and he prayed again for protection. Because he said that the vibes that he was getting off of them weren't quite as fun as the previous. Yeah. And... He said, like, right after he prayed, because he prayed with his eyes closed, mm-hmm. and then he opened them, and oh, the men... Oh, I'm sorry, I would not <laughs> pray with my eyes closed. This was so <laughs> out of a horror movie when yeah, I was writing this. I did not. So he opens his eyes, and the men and the horses were right across from him over the fire. Like, across the fire. <laughs> on the other side. And then it was like, he said he blinked, and then they were off in a different part of his camp. And then he blinked again, and then they were back on the other side of the fire, but sitting down. Mm-mm. And I was like, <laughs> you get out of here right now with your denim jeans. Yeah. <laughs> and then as they were sig- sitting across the fire from him, he said that they kept kind of pointing at him. Like, almost like he was funny. Something about him was funny. And they kept kind of pointing about him and, like, mumbling to each other. But like, he look still- at how terrifying he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he said that they, like, but they mumbled to each other, but again, he couldn't make out what they were saying. Mm-hmm. And after some time, one bent, one of them bent forward, like looking like he, they were trying to get a closer look at him. And then he just let out this like big laugh. And then Alfred kind of like, oh, the ghost, yeah, the ghost <laughs> left. No, 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 okay. ghost left. Alfred oh. stayed quiet through this whole ordeal. That I don't man know how. Is like, <laughs> oh, steady as a rock. I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and. The next thing he knew, he woke up several feet away from the fire, shivering cold. Mm. And he said he got up, he restarted his fire, and he used, like, his flashlight, and he also carried his pistol with him. But he used his flashlight to kind of inspect where he had seen the men, because they were gone at this point. And he said there was no sign of them. Like, even when this, because the sun was getting ready to rise at this point, and when it rose, he still was kind of looking around for any sign of them. But And the horse didn't react to any of this? Because uh, you know how horses sometimes get spooked. Right? Yeah. No, apparently not. He didn't mention anything about the horse, like, huh. during that time. Um, but yeah, there was no sign of these men. And he was just kind of like, what the heck? is going on like like, what kind of meadow did i stumble upon yeah and so but sure enough as he's like puzzling over all this his friends he sees them coming down over the ridge is it morning time yes okay yeah so he sees them coming down the ridge and once they meet up of course they're like dude you look pale like what's going on and he told them everything that had happened the night before and they were like, well, guess what? You weren't the only one. Oh. And they said that when he was seeing the dancing spirits, they were all sitting around their fire. Mm-hmm. And they heard running footsteps and felt like they were being watched. 
And then the next thing they knew, they saw these two Indian men in old style warrior clothing, like just burst out and run by them. Oh, what? And, but that was it. Like they just took off and they just kind of all were like, what the heck did we just see? My gosh, at least they had each other. (laughs) Right. And, but they saw that Alfred was like really bothered by the whole thing because he was just really perplexed, I feel like from what he was saying. Like he was just like, especially because like, I feel like the reason why he was so like, didn't say anything and was so calm the whole time is probably because he was like petrified, you know, where like sometimes a reaction to fear is just freeze. Nothing. Yeah. You just like. Uh. Yeah, I'm I'm that way. When I'm truly scared, I freeze. Oh no, I like am so scared. <laughs> I scream like a horror movie. Scream. Yeah, no, I freeze so bad. Like I'll be the first to die if anything horrible. <laughs> I'll be the first to scream and then probably try to hit whatever. It is. But so he was just really puzzled over this, and yeah. he said throughout the whole experience, he felt like it was some sort of spiritual sign, but he couldn't make sense of it. Yeah, like... And so, but the, his friends saw he was really bothered, so they were like, you know what, let's do, like, a native spiritual cleansing. So they did that, you know, mm-hmm. which they explain more of it in the book, but, you know, basically they yeah. did a spiritual cleansing. <laughs> but, and then they didn't talk about it anymore. Which is an interesting thing that I've noticed in a lot of the stories in that book, is that I guess Native Americans, they just don't... Like, they might share the story with each other once... But after that, they don't talk about stuff like that much. And a lot of it, from what I was gathering when I was reading the book, it sounds like it's because they don't want to give anything more power. They feel like if they give it more energy through their thoughts and all that. Like it'll happen again, maybe, or something like that. Yeah, or just give it more power to do something more or whatever. So they didn't talk about it anymore. And then, but when he got home, he told his grandmother what had happened. Mm Mm-hmm. And after all, like, she listened intently, and then after that, she said, well, I'm sorry, but I want, I have to tell you, your other grandmother passed away. And it was right around the time that you saw those two spirits dancing. And so she explained everything to him. So she said that those dancing spirits was actually his other grandmother's way of showing him that she was okay and moving to the spirit world. Because I guess they were moving south, mm-hmm. and their belief is that, like, like the spirit world is south. <laughs> like, like, somewhere <laughs> south. south. Like, yeah. I guess, yeah. Like, I they mean, have to travel. Like us with, like, heaven and hell is, like, yeah. hell's below, but... So I guess the spirit realm is, is towards the south, so... Oh. It was showing... So she's trying to say that these ghosts were, like, his grandma, or she was using other ghosts to... So I think it might have been... From what I was gathering, it sounded like Like it was his grandmother. Oh, okay. Okay. Like, his grandmother kind of saying, look, I'm going to the spirit realm. I'm okay. Who's that guy with you? I don't know. I'm wondering (laughs) if it's supposed to be some sort of spirit spirit guy. Yeah, exactly. Jinx. But... (laughs) (laughs) But... And then... But she also said that the three men he saw were actually powerful spirits. Mm -hmm. And she said that it was good he didn't talk to them because if he had spoken to them, they would have taken him away. They're almost like the fates or something. Maybe. I don't know. But yeah, and she said that they would have taken him away and in her words, we would have found you dead and 
never known why you had died. It would be mysterious. Okay. And of course, it was they were in white men's clothes. Right. <laughs> that was denim jeans. <laughs> but she said that him not talking to them was good, and also hit his campfire that stayed between them provided some protection. Well, then why did he wake up away from it? Right. <laughs> and um, and I don't know. Like I'm sure. Maybe he, like, passed out or, like, you know, kind of lost He was so scared that he, like, passed out. Like, blocked, blocked out yeah. for a second. I don't know. But she said that the campfire between them protected him and his prayer, of course. Yeah. Did what he asked for. Yeah. But, yeah. So, those are the three stories from that book. That was good. I liked it. Check it out. Because there's plenty of other awesome stories. I might do another episode based on one, but it was going to require a lot more research. So. Oh, okay. We'll yeah, see I what liked, happens. I liked it, so. <laughs> I'll encourage it. Yep. (laughs) All right. Good job. Now I'm scared to go to bed. (laughs) Okay. So I'm, this is Chelsea, by the way. (laughs) I'm going to do my, or I did my story on something that I had kind of talked about in the past that you had mentioned, oh, if you had like gone more on with it, I would have liked to hear about it. And so I tried and it kind of didn't turn into what I wanted it to, but it's fine. It's still good. So remember when I did the episode on the Titanic? I do. And I talked about a mummy's curse. <gasps> so I'm going to talk about a mummy, but specifically the most famous mummy in the world, because when I was trying to look up mummy's curses, it was all about him. It was all about King Tut. So that's what I'm going to talk about. And I obviously, I know you've learned about him. I've learned about him in school and stuff, but <clears throat> it was really cool researching it again because it's it's been a while since I've learned about him. Yep. All right. So <clears throat> here we go. <laughs> um, so uh, most of the history on, okay, this is his full name, but I'm just going to call him T- King Tut the rest of the time, but it's Tutan, oh God. Tut and Hammon. Tut and I don't know. Was it Tut and Tut and I did look up the pronunciation. You guys know what it is, but it's King Tut. For sure. So that's all. But most of the history of King Tut was erased from history and not much was known about him until 1922 when his tomb was uncovered and exhumed by Howard Carter in the Valley of Kings which is a hilly area where many pharaohs were pharaohs were buried for a period of 500 years. So like 500 years all the pharaohs were buried in this valley of kings. Hmm. Um when Carter opened this um tomb and he peered basically he like saw a little hole and he peered inside with a candle because it was 1922. Yeah. And he's like I could see the light flickering and it was flickering on so much gold. Like that's all he could see was like gold, gold, gold. Um, and this was the first time in 3,000 years that anyone had been inside of his tomb. Um, when he opened the tomb, he also opened up an interest in craze that people had for ancient Greece. This was our ancient Greece. Are you serious? <laughs> the other Greece. <laughs> Egypt. What the heck is wrong? It literally says Egypt. <laughs> ancient Egypt. We've had a long day, guys. <laughs> a long week. A long life. Okay. Um, his tomb contained more history than every anyone ever thought that it would. Um, so there was about a thousand artifacts and um, a sarcophagus containing his mummy inside with a gorgeous and priceless headdress that everybody knows, you know, the yeah. thing um, that when you look him up. Or if, I, I don't know, have you ever, because a lot of the times his his stuff is on 
like a, a museum, whatever it's called, where they Virtual take Virtual tour? No, like actual, like they take it to different places. Oh, and like I, a traveling exhibit type yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah. And because I know it came to LA while I was living there and I didn't get to go see it, which I'm, I'm kind of sad that I didn't. But I, I don't, he's usually not a part of it. It's just all of his stuff. Oh, okay. Because it's like so much stuff was found in there. Um, it took Carter and his team almost 10 years to, um, excavate and catalog everything that they found. Like, 10 years. That's how much stuff was in there. Um, ever since this discovery, people have been studying everything that they can and learning as much as possible about people from that time. Because, um, well, actually, I'll, I'll talk about it later. But, so, a little bit about, uh, King Tut. He was born around the year 1341 BCE. And his name means living image of Aten, who was a sun deity that Tut's father, I'm sorry, I'm going to butcher a lot of these, but (laughs) Akhenaten told his people to worship. So before Akhenaten came into rule, um, the Egyptians were a polytheist people. Like, they worshipped about 2,000 gods. Yeah. And then for thousands of years, and then this pharaoh comes into his throne and he decides, nope, we're going to stop that. We're only going to worship one God and it's going to be the sun God. And a lot of people didn't like that, but he was the Pharaoh. They had to do what he said. And they said to that when they went um, to like houses and stuff that were nearby, they still found like little mini idols and stuff of the other gods. So they're like, people were probably still worshiping them on the side. Yeah. And just being like, Oh yeah, we're going to worship this one God. Um, That seems to be a common theme we're dealing with lately. <laughs> yes, yeah, like forced upon people a lot in the past. Um, and then he also moved the main worship center from Thebes to um, Amarna. And then, so when King Tut took over the throne after his father died, which he was only nine at the time, which is the biggest crazy thing about Tut is that he was oh yeah that's like my child yeah going to be a pharaoh that would be insane Uh, he did he did have a lot of influence from tons of advisors of course because he was so young but he decided to reverse his father's ruling and say no let's go back to um worshiping all our gods that we used to worship and then he even paid to repair old temples that his father had destroyed and make, like, statues of these gods again for Hmm. his people. Um, Due to his age, many people will call him the Boy King. Yeah. Um, He only made it to the age of 19 um, when he died. He ruled from the years uh, 1333 to 1323. Um, It was unknown... Oh, sorry. Yeah, because it's BCE. Yeah. (laughs) I was about to say, wait, that's wrong. But it's right, guys. Um, it was unknown for a long time after his after the discovery of his um, mummy what had actually killed him at such a young age because he was only nineteen. So you would think he would have been like physical peak form. Yeah. Um, it was <clears throat> thought that possibly maybe he was killed by foul play or it was an accident because young pharaohs or well usually they weren't that young, but they were at that time doing a bunch of chariot races and hunting a lot. So they thought maybe that could have possibly been what happened. Um, And then possibly they thought maybe somebody wasn't happy that this kid 
whose father like used to rule and had such a strong hand and did stuff that people didn't like and then he dies and then his kid gets to rule so a lot of people thought maybe he was poisoned or something like that um some of the some of the two they said maybe king tut came into power and he was just trying to change things back left and right so maybe that upset people Okay, almost a century after his death, though, scientists were able to do digital imaging and a DNA testing on him to determine that he most likely died of malaria or some type of infection. That's oh, yeah. Think he died so compared to other burial tombs that were cut deep into rocks and contained many rooms, uh, King Tut's was actually super small and unassuming, um, <clears throat> but was what was discovered inside was, like, way more than what they found in any other tomb. And it was believed that Tut possibly had plans to build a larger tomb for himself, because usually when pharaohs are in rule, they start doing that. They have pyramids built and all that stuff. Um, But since he died at such a young age, they thought maybe he just never got to finish it. So they were just like, he died, and they're like, just put him in this this thing here. And then it was clear that Tut was buried, and his ceremony was rushed because... When they opened his uh, sarcophagus, the gold paint and stuff had black mold in it. So that told them that that means that they sealed his sarcophagus and tomb before the paint even got to dry. So it was clearly rushed. Um, Pharaohs that ruled after Tut decided that they wanted the history of Akhenaten to be forgotten completely. And that meant including anybody who was associated with him. So his son Tut. Um, but both of their names were stricken from the list of the kings and the statues that were built to honor them were destroyed because the Egyptians were so angry about him trying to change what they had worshipped for thousands of years. Which is weird since Tut was trying to bring that back. That's what I said. But I think that because Tut ruled for such a short amount of time, he probably didn't do everything that he wanted to do and it was more about his father who had ruled. Yeah. So it wasn't even really about him, which sucks because his memory was... They were trying to destroy it, you know? Yeah. And it wasn't even his fault. Um, <clears throat> it was easy for people to forget about him because he ruled for such a short time and only 150 years later when the tomb of King Ramses VI was built the builders almost put it right on top of King Tut's tomb because they had forgot that it was even there. Oh, <laughs> Which is so so sad for this little kid. Yeah. Um, over the years, as archaeologists made their way digging through the Valley of Kings, um, they would occasionally come across different items, though, like cups and linens and stuff that had King Tut's name on it. So they're like, they were really curious, who's, who's King Tut? Like, uh, we don't know anything about him because he was stricken from history. And they were like, we got to find this guy's tomb. Like, it's got to be somewhere out here. And in 1917, Howard Carter was funded by George Herbert, who was the Earl of Carnarvon, to find King Tut's tomb. He was like, I'll pay for it. Let's find him. They slowly went through the hills, digging through the bed, digging down all the way down to the bedrock because they wanted to make sure that they didn't miss anything. It took years, and Carnivon was getting ready to give up. And he was like, I don't know, you've been digging in these hills for years, and you haven't found anything, so maybe I'm going to stop funding this, and you should just stop. But Carter was like, 
please just give me a few more months. Let me see if I can find anything at all. And then we'll stop if I don't. And then only three days after asking for more time, they found they were digging and they found like what's something that looked like a step. So Carter's like, let's keep digging. See if this this is anything. So they dug a little deeper. They found a couple more steps. And then finally they kept digging and it led to a doorway that had King Tut's name above it. So they had found it. Oh my god! Which is so crazy because it was only three days after he was, was like, gonna say, it's almost like a miracle." Time. Exactly. <laughs> um, King's King Tut's burial chamber was officially opened on February sixteenth in nineteen twenty-three. They didn't think they were gonna find anything inside because most of the tombs in the Valley of Kings had been raided and robbed um, during ancient times. Uh, but and then they weren't left with like much of anything so to find this tomb that was filled with so much stuff was like shocking to them um when they looked at the plaster too it appeared to them they were like it looks like somebody had broken in but it had been resealed so they were kind of like even thinking then at that point they're like there's not going to be anything inside but that wasn't the case um when what happened is in the first tomb when they opened it up because um his was a couple of rooms but usually tombs are like tons of rooms and they're huge Mm -hmm. but in the first room um where it took carter's team two months to catalog about 600 items that they found inside and they said it was a mess usually if you do find anything inside of a tomb it's kind of in order and like has its place but he was like it looked it looked to them like as though possibly looters had gotten inside but at the time like in ancient times they did have temple guards that would try to stop people from doing that so he was like it kind of looked like looters had gotten inside temple guards caught them took what they took back from him and just threw it back inside and then resealed the tomb okay so it looked like it had happened like maybe a couple of times so um next was the burial chamber and this contained a large gold shrine that inside was a coffin and then the sarcophagus and then King Tut's mummy was right in the middle there. They cleared out the, um, the next room, which was, they called the treasury that had a smaller shrine containing Tut's organs. And the room was guarded by the statue of Anubis, who is the God of mummification and death. Um, lastly, they removed over 2000 items from the annex, which is just another room, which, basically contained what they would bury pharaohs with when they died because they believed you know a pharaoh dies let's bury him with everything he's gonna need in the afterlife which is everything he needed in this life so food chariots golds everything that that they would need um and then when the chamber was open this is when people believe that the curse of the mummy was released Carter had waited for Car- Carnivon to arrive from Britain before he tried to open the tomb. And so Carnivon was there. Like, he was like, hey, I found it. Like, get get over here. And he was like, okay, I'm coming. Um, five months after the tomb's discovery, but only weeks uh, after it had been open, Carnivon seemingly suddenly just dropped dead out of yeah. nowhere. Um, this quickly led to several rumors and tons of speculation that the opening of the tomb caused a curse to kill the person who funded the disturbance of the dead. Headlines all over the world suggested that this was the case. When he died, it was reported that the cause of death was um, 
pneumonia supervening on um, erysipelas, which is... <laughs> It's a lot of medical words, guys. Yeah. A streptococcal infection of the skin and underlying soft tissues. It was said that this invas- invasive infection um, also caused multi-organ failure. So it kind of makes me think of, like, in the movie The Mummy, like, when they opened... Uh, I forget. They opened something. I think it was a sarcophagus or something, and, like, like gas rushed out and it, like, made them melt. You oh, that yeah. Scene? That's what it kind of makes me think of, only it, like, took weeks, is what they were speculating. Yeah, it sounds like just a super crazy infection. Yeah. Okay. Of some, yeah, exactly. And but it, and it was so bad that it started on the skin, but it got down to his organs. Okay. Um, with the mummy's curse theory, it was thought that he was present on the day of opening the tomb, and he was exposed to a toxic mold called Aspergillus. Aspergillus? I don't know. The Times of London reported that he was present for this. However, in Carter's diary, it is said that Herbert first visited the tomb in November of 1922, four months before he got sick. So it's like, it's kind of a long time for him to be exposed to something and then die, you know? Yeah. Um, Carter describes in the diary that when they opened the seal on the second door, a hot air did rush out and it caused Herbert to crawl on the floor. But it was... um, later found out that Herbert kind of did have, like, a lung issue from... He had gotten into, like, an accident before, and it caused, like, a lung issue. So he already had almost kind of, like, um, like asthma, kind of, but not really. So, I mean, that could also explain why he was, like, dying on the floor when they opened the second tomb... Or yeah. the second room. Um, he was the only one, though, of 25 ever- others to become sick and die after the opening of the tomb. So they're like... If one person's gonna die, like, wouldn't other people be affected by it? Or And if anybody would die, wouldn't it be... And if it was a mummy's curse, wouldn't it be Carter himself? Because he was the main... The one who first... Yeah. Um, bugged it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, it was, however, reported that um, Caravan's wife was sick at the same time as him. So they were like, that's kind of weird. Like, how did she get sick too? But she lived until 1969, dying at the age of 93. So she made it from the mummy's case. So they were giving, they made, they probably made each other sick, but we don't know if it was caused by the mummy or if it was. Well, we actually have an idea of what actually (gasps) happened to him. (laughs) So it was found later that he died of blood poisoning. And where did this blood poisoning come from? They say, which is not as epic as a mummy's curse, but they say it's possibly from a shaving accident when he cut a mosquito bite that he got on his cheek. Uh. And it poisoned his blood. Which is crazy because I was thinking that King Tut possibly died of malaria, and that's also caused by, by a mosquito, so who knows? Maybe it was, like, mummy's curse. Full circle, you know? Just a little more sly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very ironic. Um... For a while, a study was done by scientists to see if they could actually, uh, if it was actually possible that the seal on King King Tut's tomb could carry a long-lived pathogen that lasted this long, and then when it if it could have been released when it was opened up, Mm -hmm. Um, there were, like I said, black mold spots found inside of his sarcophagus that could be a culprit, but 
when they tested the, the spots, it was found that the um, pathogens were dormant. They, were, they weren't active. Yeah. So that wasn't possible. Another part of the curse uh, was that that spread it even more was that Carter had given a gift from the tomb to a friend. And after he gave it to him, his house burned down. And so he rebuilt it. And then his house flooded. And so he's like, here, have this thing back. I think this is what's causing it. Um, The idea of this tomb being cursed could have also been possibly entirely made up specifically by reporters because reporters were, especially back in like the twenties, that was always the big thing. Like, Oh, rich guy funds mummies tomb opening and then dies. Curse possible. Well, yeah, it was all about trying to get Riegers back then. They wasn't as, there wasn't as much of a drive to be objective and be truthful. Informative. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It was like all sensational. Yeah. Very sensational. Mm -hmm. Very. Um, there was one reporter named Arthur Weigel that was quite disgruntled He was a writer, a journalist, but also an archaeologist and a rival of Howard Carter. When he heard of the death of Herbert, or Carval, his last name was Herbert, but I kept changing it. Mm -hmm. He took advantage of this information and blamed it on a curse, although he himself didn't even believe in the curse. But he was like, yeah, I'm going to put that it was a curse. Ha ha, Howard. Which is (laughs) silly. Uh, Because of journalists like this, and even famous authors such as Arthur Conan Doyle, the guy who wrote Sherlock Holmes... He also claimed, he put out a statement that was like, yeah, it was definitely a mummy's curse. So it was like mass hysteria of like, mummy's cursed. Everybody was just talking about it, even though there wasn't really any truth behind it. Yeah. Um, There is some basis in this concept, obviously, too, because uh, possible curses uh, for disturbing the dead are mentioned in inscriptions throughout non-pyramid tombs in both Giza and Saqqara. Um, there, like, inscriptions, you know, don't disturb the dead or you'll be cursed forever, but people just think it was obviously a way of preventing tomb desecration, which didn't really work, mm-hmm. to let the dead rest in peace. Um, so, moral of the story is basically, this is my big takeaway from this, is that although Pharaoh's after Tut died tried to make his memory forgotten, and this caused his tomb to be hidden for so long that instead it did the opposite. Yeah, he's the most the most famous out of all of them, and also it contains the most history, and we've learned about Pharaohs and that time of living more from him than any other Pharaoh out there, because all of their stuff was raided. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But that's the story, like I said... Of King Tut, but I didn't get as much about a curse because it was all kind of just fooey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's King Tut. And well, yeah, still. It's, it's fun to go back and, you know, e- Egyptian history is like, that period of history is so interesting. And, yeah, it really is. You know. I actually, like, I was watching this show, too. It's called um, Expedition Unknown, where this um, archaeologist named Josh Gates, he, he goes and, like, does a lot of cool stuff. And I watched this one where he had gone while I was doing these notes mm-hmm. where he got, went to a tomb that they were trying to, uh, excav- excavate, but it had like fallen in and it was flooded. And so they basically had to do it all underwater. Oh gosh. And they literally found in there like a toe cap because a lot of the Pharaohs back then were buried with finger and toe caps that were gold. 
Um, huh. Which I didn't know that either <laughs> until I watched that episode. But he was like, yeah, and it was found on King Tut's fingers and toes too. But they found one with like a toe bone in it. And so they were like, oh my gosh, like we found this, this guy that, uh, or this pharaoh that has been like, nobody's been able to find his tomb all this time. And then they just found it. Like, I think it happened last year or something like that. Huh. I was like, it's so crazy that they're still finding stuff like that. Is that the one that... I might be making up things in my memory, but I want to say I recall, like, people making memes and stuff, like, of course, on top of COVID and the pandemic and everything, we're finding mummies and releasing new curses. Uh, No, no. I know exactly what you're talking about, though, because they were saying, like, oh, let's open this this, uh, sarcophagus where um, we already have a pandemic going on. Perfect timing, guys. (laughs) No, but yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you for joining us again for another week of stories. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, Make sure if you're not already to follow us on social media. We are Desert Sirens on Facebook and Desert Sirens podcast on Instagram. Uh, if you want to share any stories, topic ideas, uh, give constructive but kind feedback, you can reach out to our email, which is desertsiringspodcast at gmail.com. There's a link to that in all of our social media. And yeah, just share us with your friends, you know. Please like, share, comment, subscribe. All those things. <laughs> yes, and also um, happy Thanksgiving because this is going to come out the week of Thanksgiving. Right before Thanksgiving. Yes. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Yeah. Or just, you know, and just celebrate being thankful. I know that there's some iffy history around yeah, there. Yeah, of but course. Yes, of course. Just if you celebrate Thanksgiving, cool. If not, just be thankful for everyone around you and yes. just have fun. <laughs> Be with family or not, if that's not what you want to do. Do you, but don't hurt nobody. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Be happy, be safe. Uh, Yes, 